Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's your Guardians taking the series with a 7-4 win over the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And it was nice with your ace on the mound, Shane Bieber. We come through with the big W. We win the series. We keep that going. We haven't lost a series since the All-Star break. So that's nice. And the big news, the big news is top prospect, not top, top, but in the, in the top former, I think he used to be higher. Uh, right now, MLB.com has him as the number six prospect in the Guardian system. Tyler Freeman makes his major league debut. Uh, plays third base. Uh, Jose Ramirez DH is on the day. Freeman can play uh, third, short, and second base, although I would guess he primarily projects as a second baseman at the major league level, but he makes his major league debut. Ernie Clement gets set down. And uh, yeah, another the 12th Guardian rookie to make their major league debut. And I mean, it's just... It's crazy how many of these guys are up here now. You know, uh, they tweeted out a clip of him before the game, coming into the dugout, high-fiving Quan and Benson and Jones, and you realize, like, all these guys have been playing down in AAA together. All these guys. Quan played with these guys last year. Uh, Owen Miller played with these guys last year. Remember, Owen Miller had a little bit of time down in the minors when we got him from San Diego. Uh, even, uh, even Andres Jimenez, you know, bounced back and forth last year. So he got to play with these guys down in AAA last year. It's, I mean, if you were a fan of the Columbus Clippers this year, you have to be looking at the Guardians roster this, this year going, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the team I watched last year in Columbus. Those, those are my guys. Uh, so yeah, so it's unbelievable. They, uh, Antonetti got out there on the broadcast. I, I'll give him credit. Antonetti has been, since the trade deadline, has been out there. He Now it's protected, of course, you know, with Underwood and Manning and not. They're, they're employees of the Guardians and Valley Sports, and they uh, they can, you know, prepper, prepare what questions they want asked and things like that. So it is a safe environment for Antonetti to get out there and talk. But he they did ask him fair questions about spending, about the youth movement, about the 40-man roster. Um, so yeah, he got out there and talked about it. And they're just... I mean, in they brought up two guys in the last few days, Benson and Freeman, that I honestly, I didn't expect them... I didn't expect them to go down there and pull these guys up. So... Uh, we've got some more debut news, which means at the end of this episode, we'll do a little bit of a profile on who Tyler Freeman is, what you can expect from him, what the scouting reports say, and uh, we'll get into that. But uh, let's get into the game first. Let's get into the win because it was a good one. It was a nice, fun getaway day for the Guardians. It had a little bit of everything if you're a Guardians fan. If you're an Arizona Diamondbacks fan, eh, it was a pretty rough one for you. You did hit a home run late in the ninth inning, but at that point, the game was pretty much out of hand. So the top storyline for me has to be the Guardians pitchers using the strikeout. And Shane Bieber leads the way in six innings pitch. He gives up four hits, two earned runs, no walks. In fact, Guardians pitching does not give up a walk on the day. 
eight strikeouts on 94 pitches. He does give up a two-run home run, but he's only hard hit six times on 94 pitches. So eight strikeouts racked up by Shane Bieber. And then the bullpen just ran with that. Karinchek, two strikeouts in the seventh inning. Stefan strikes out the side after giving up two hits, strikes out the side of the eighth. And then Eli Morgan does give up the two-run homer, but he also has two strikeouts in the ninth inning. They strike them out 15 times. So how were they doing it? Going over to the illustrator here, let's take a look at the strikeouts. And uh, Bieber was doing it mostly with the off-speed stuff. One fastball that he blows by uh, Geraldo Perdomo uh, up at the letters. Frankly, it's a hittable pitch. Uh, I don't know the full pitch sequence there, but he does blow him away with a 93-mile-per-hour fastball. He gets four of his strikeouts on sliders below the knees, getting guys that go down and chase that slider. And then he gets three strikeouts on that knuckle curve. He gets one down below the knee. Surprisingly, gets two up at the letters, up at the belt. Uh, he gets Alec Thomas swinging at a high curveball up at the letters in the first inning. And then he locks up Dalton Varsho with a 2-2 uh, a curveball that's right on the glove side edge uh, for Shane Bieber. Right at the belt, locks him up for a called strike three. So that's how Bieber was doing it. A lot of off-speed stuff on the day. In fact, their manager after the game said he felt like they were just attacking. Guardians pitching all day was attacking with off-speed stuff. Karinchek gets a high fastball at the top of the zone and then a curveball down below the knees. No surprise there. That's a winning combination for Karinchek. Trevor Steffen gets it all with his splitter. All with that splitter. Two of them down below the knees. Uh, gets Christian Walker down there, gets Alec Thomas down there, and then one uh, in the zone, gets Cattell Marte in the zone on a 3-2 count, still can't touch that splitter. Nasty pitch for Trevor Steffen. And Eli Morgan gets one with the changeup, Emmanuel Rivera, and then to end the game, a tight slider inside to the lefty Seth Beer strikes him out there. So yeah, off-speed pitching definitely Definitely getting the strikeouts. Only two fastball strikeouts on the day from Guardians pitching. Everything else coming from off-speed stuff. And everybody going to their strengths. Of course, Eli Morgan, the changeup. Uh, Karachek, his curveball. Stefan, the splitter. And Bieber, the curve and the slider. Both equally nasty on the day. Well, how nasty were they? Let's go ahead and look at the player breakdown over here. And uh, what was working for Shane Bieber What's interesting is he threw 27 cutters. Now, this is not uh, super typical of Shane Bieber. He only throws the cutter about 10% of the time. But if you look at just left-handed batters, the cutter usage does come up from around 10% overall. It's up at 17.4% of the time he uses the cutter against left-handed batters. Well, that's what he was getting against the Diamondbacks. A lot of left-handed batters in there for the Diamondbacks. And he threw that cutter exclusively. If we jump back over to the Illustrator for a second, uh, facing left-handed batters, he threw that cutter exclusively. When it was the right-handed batters up, the few that were up, they got some high fastballs and they got some sliders. That's it. That's it. He stayed away from the right-handed batters all game, just pounding sliders on the outside edge. Christian Walker, Emmanuel Rivera, I think there were 
three in the lineup. Uh, I'm not. A, might be only two of them. Uh, so yeah, he was staying away the whole time against those two righties, and effective against them. He's finally Christian Walker. We finally stop him from hitting a big home run in this game. But then the cutter came out against the left-handed batters, and he was throwing it at a ton. I mean, at one point he was going to it. It felt like almost exclusively. So yeah, so Bieber mixing it up a little bit, facing this left-handed heavy lineup. Goes with 27 cutters, the most of any pitch on the day. Wasn't getting any whiffs on it. Got a few called strikes on it, but only only put four in play with an average exit velocity of 87.3. So really limiting the contact. Had eight foul balls off of that cutter. So they really had a hard time squaring up that cutter. Even though they weren't whiffing on it, uh, they weren't doing much with it. Uh, the forcing fastball, uh, again, not a huge whiff rate to get seven called strikes. They only put three in play. They were almost square up that fastball three times. Hit it a little bit harder than the cutter, average 92.5. But the fastball velocity was up. It was up a full mile per hour over his yearly average. He's averaging now 91 miles per hour on that pitch. Today, uh, yesterday, he averaged 92, got it up to 93.6. So yeah, that he might, he might, the summer as the summer stretches on, he actually might be finding a little velo left in the tank uh, to get that fastball up there. Now the whiffs, of course, come on the slider, a 44% whiff rate on that slider, a 38% whiff rate on the knuckle curve, although he uses it sparingly, he saves it for big moments. Uh, in fact, I mean, two of those were this punch out, he saved them for the punch out. Uh, so it's a 31% total CSW on the day for Shane Bieber. Uh, average exit velocity off him on the day of 86.9. All right, what was working for everybody else? Man, everything was working for everybody else. Karen Check got four whiffs on the fastball. Uh, had a 60% CSW on the day. Was actually getting the call strikes on the curveball. You'd think that would be opposite. For Trevor Steffen, had an 80% whiff rate on that splitter. Four whiffs on five swings on that splitter. Uh, he had a 41% CSW. Now, obviously, CSW numbers are a little bit inflated sometimes if a reliever goes out there and has a good outing. Obviously, it's a lot harder as a starter. Um, and uh, Eli Morgan wasn't getting any whiffs on that changeup, was able to get three called strikes on it, finally got the whiff on the slider, uh, only threw it three times. So he he, he sticks mostly fastball changeup, but he does have that slider when he needs it. Uh, after giving up the home run on the changeup, we'll see if he maybe goes to uh, the slider more often. Uh, we'll see if he mixes it in just a little bit more, especially against left-handed hitting, uh, left-handed hitters. I think he gave up the home run uh, off of the uh, off of the changeup. Yeah, it was a changeup down around the knees, middle of the plate though, and Perdomo. Uh, gets it, gets underneath it, only a 95.6 mile per hour exit velocity, a 40 degree launch angle, frankly, uh, but it was enough, it carried, it only had an expected padding average of .050, but it was enough, it carried the wall uh, out there in right field, just made it into the front row in right field. So that's what was going on on the pitching side of things, uh, just a big strikeout day for Guardians pitching. All right, now we put up seven runs. Davey, get to the hitting already. All right, let's get into it. 
because they were facing a rookie, Tommy Henry, making his Major League debut. Henry goes five innings, gives up four hits, four earned runs, three walks, three strikeouts, a home run given up to Ahmed Rosario on 89 pitches. He's only hard hit six times. So it's not a terrible start for the rookie. It's not a terrible debut. I don't I don't think he's got a lot to hang his head about. He did walk three and hit a guy. Uh, he did set the Guardians up for a little bit of a rally in the second inning. And then he does give up the monster home run in the fifth inning. But he does strike out two more guys after that home run uh, to kind of bounce back and get out of that fifth inning. So not a terrible debut for the rookie. But yeah, the Guardians offense was cooking. The top of the order did most of the hitting, although I'd say the bottom of the order found ways to contribute, right? Andres Jimenez didn't have a hit, but like we said, the true outcomes for Andres Jimenez, uh, he gets hit by a pitch, of course. Uh, I think it's his 14th time. I think uh, someone from Seattle, I believe, was leading. They showed the stat was leading with 17, and Anthony Rizzo in New York also has been hit 17 times. But Andres Jimenez gets hit again, but it sets up a Guardians rally in that second inning. Uh, Freeman is on base twice. He gets a hit and a walk in his Major League debut, hitting seventh. Hedges comes up with a hit and a walk. And uh, Miles Straw doesn't have a hit, but he delivers an RBI from that ninth spot. So the bottom of the order found ways to contribute, even if they weren't uh, filling up the hit column. Uh, But let's get into it. Let's get into the scoring. And uh, in that second inning... Uh, They set the Guardians up. They have a chance in the first inning to score. A little two-out rally with a walk to Jose Ramirez. A single from Owen Miller. Oscar Gonzalez, unfortunately, would line out to right field. Now, Gonzalez was hammering the ball. And this was just the tip of the iceberg. This was more to come on this. But he was hammering the ball all day. So he lines out at 95.6 miles per hour. It was a really nice shot to right field. Unfortunately, it was in range of the right fielder. All right, in the second inning, ooh, the rookie's not doing himself any favors. He hits under Jimenez Leetings off. Then Tyler Freeman works a walk. Now, Tyler Freeman, you're going to hear about him. He does not walk. This is not his game. But he was patient up here, uh, maybe taking a little inspiration from his friend Stephen Kwan. They said that Kwan was the one helping him out, you know, where to go, where to, where to walk, where to, you know, where to eat, where to do warm-ups and stuff like that. Uh, Quan was helping him out before the game, and he takes a little inspiration here and draws the walk. Austin Hedges then is able to deliver a single up the middle, uh, gets it over the infielder's heads, out into center field. Uh, Andres Jimenez got a bad jump, probably could have scored on this, but gets a bad jump and just goes into third, so the bases are loaded for Miles Straw, and he uh, hits a sack fly into right field. He gets the job done, brings the run home from third. I'm not going to complain about that. Yeah, with the bases loaded, you want him to you know, deliver something a little bigger, but he got the run home from third. There's no complaints there. Unfortunately, Quan would ground into a double play, and that would end that threat. But hey, we get one on the board, and then we come back in the fifth inning. The kid actually goes, the rookie goes one, two, three in the third and the fourth, but in the fifth inning, again, gets himself into trouble with a leadoff walk, and that's not going to work up here in the majors. You don't want to be giving free passes to leadoff innings. Quan would single with one out, and that would bring up Ahmed Rosario. The lefty throws him a slider that doesn't slide, and he absolutely hammers this thing. 108.7 miles per hour, 24-degree launch angle. How hard did he hammer it? 450 feet, the longest home run. If I'm reading StatCast correctly, the longest home run 
of Ahmed Rosario's career. Surpasses a 440-something shot uh, earlier this season in Colorado. Of course, in Colorado would have been the longest home run of Ahmed Rosario's career. Not anymore. 450. Not only that, clears the camera bay in center field. Unbelievable shot. I mean, we're talking... We're talking Jim Tomey territory, right? Uh, hitting home runs that far. So where did that power come from? From Ahmed Rosario. My God, the bat speed. Uh, a slider that doesn't slide. It's just a perfect combination for a huge blast. Uh, so yeah, that was, I mean, that was the shot the Guardians needed to win this game, frankly. I mean, that really, really... Uh, blew this game open, made it a uh, 4-0 game at that point. Now, Arizona would, uh, the one thing we talk about, Arizona would come back. Alec Thomas would get a home run off of Shane Bieber. Both of their home runs were ridiculous. This one had an expected batting average of .090. Uh, so they both of their home runs on the day for Arizona just get over that right field wall. Uh, but Alec Thomas takes one down and in, and we talk about this all the time. The job of that starter, you got to throw a zero up there on the board after your team just scored. And uh, Bieber, unfortunately, in this sixth inning, they finally get to him. They finally get some runs off him. A leadoff single from Jose Herrera, a force out from Josh Rojas, and then Alec Thomas gets the home run. It was his second extra base hit off of uh, Bieber and back-to-back at bats. He hammered a double at 106 mile per hour exit velocity earlier in the fourth inning. And both pitches weirdly come down and in. Both pitches that he gives up uh, extra base hits to Alec Thomas. One was a knuckle curve down and in that he hits for the double. And I'm talking down and in, buried in that corner of the zone to the left-handed hitter. And then there was a cutter that he hits for the home run down and in, maybe even slightly off the plate uh, to the left-handed hitter. And that's not Alec Thomas' zone. His stats are pretty weird uh, when I look at his stat cast page. He's only got three hits from that zone, two hits from that zone off the plate, down and in, uh, from that quadrant. But his expected numbers are way better than his actual numbers. His actual numbers for down and in are 214 batting average. His expected batting average is 350 from down and in. Uh, his slugging percentage is uh, decent from down there. The ISO is decent from down there. He just doesn't have many opportunities. His on base percentage from down and in is 214. His expected on base percentage is 350. So, yeah, a big difference between the expected. And the actual numbers from those down and in stats. But, I mean, he doesn't... He, most of his home runs come from middle-middle. I believe, unless StatCast hasn't updated, that would be either his first or second home run from that quadrant. Um, not many hits from that quadrant. Uh, not many doubles from that quadrant. Most of his doubles come from middle-middle or middle-in. Not down and in. So, a little bit of a different day for Alec Thomas. But, somehow, it works. And he gets Shane Bieber twice on the day. So they do answer back in the top of the sixth inning, but then Oscar Gonzalez would come up in the uh, bottom of the sixth, and he would have an answer right back. A leadoff home run for Oscar Gonzalez, 108.6 mile-per-hour exit velocity, 21-degree launch angle, 402, and he just gets it through the railings uh, of that left field wall. Uh, it's something he would deal with all day. Later in the game, he would double off of that left field wall. And uh, 
Yeah, it's interesting because I'm sure in, you know, down in Columbus, that both of those would be home runs. The left field wall is something the right-handed hitter is going to have to deal with in Cleveland. You know, we don't talk about it often. It's not like the green monster or anything like that. And it's not like the Crawford boxes in Houston, which is a guaranteed home run to any right-handed hitter. Uh, that that 19-foot wall does present a little bit of a challenge for right-handed hitters. And uh, he just beats it with his first home run. The ball actually kind of ricochets off those railings and ends up dying right there uh, in those accessibility seats. And an, an adorable old lady uh, comes up with the home run. That woman probably never thought in her life she was going to catch a home run at Progressive Field, and it, it just kind of settles right down there at her feet for her. So uh, that's probably a fun souvenir for her. And then the double later in the game just hits off the yellow line, just below the yellow line, and comes back into the ballpark just misses being a home run. In fact, I uh, I checked out the Twitter account. It's a little it's a little fun funny, but would it dong is a is a Twitter account out there that basically it's an automated account that takes home runs or things off the wall and tells you would it be a home run in in how many major league ballparks would it be a home run? I think it was something like the double was like seventeen out of thirty ballparks it would have been a home run. The home run was like nineteen out of thirty ballparks it would have been a home run. You know some. Parks just have really deep left center fields. Some have high walls. Uh, so, yeah. So, I thought that was interesting that it wasn't. neither of them were guaranteed home runs. The double was 101.6 mile per hour exit velocity. Um, later in that sixth inning, though, before we get to the seventh inning, Tyler Freeman would deliver his first base hit, his first major league hit. Uh, he would take an inside pitch and shoot it down the right field line. A nice little poke at 75.8 miles per hour. That's also, that is what you could be expecting from Tyler Freeman uh, in his major league career. That's the type of hitter he is. Uh, it wouldn't spark a rally, but it was his first major league hit. Uh, the rally would come in the seventh inning. Ahmed Rosario would shoot a double down into the left field corner. Jose Ramirez would single and bring him in to score. After an Owen Miller ground out, Oscar Gonzalez would come up and hammer a mighty double off the wall and uh, bring Jose Ramirez in to score. So the Guardians do a good job. They just kept going all day. They didn't they weren't satisfied with, you know, a 4 to 1 4 to 2 lead. They weren't satisfied with a 5 to 2 lead. That offense kept cooking all game and they're able to put two more runs across here in the 7th inning. So yeah, it's a good offensive day from your Cleveland Guardians. Gonzalez just hammering the ball. Uh, nobody has more hard-hit balls on the day than him with those three. The line-out, the double, and the home run all you know, smoked shots. Absolutely barreled-up baseballs uh, for Oscar Gonzalez. So, yeah, it's a really good day offensively for your Guardians. I think that's all my storylines on the day. Uh, we talked about Bieber's cutters. Uh, we talked about, you know, Stefan got into a little bit of trouble in that sec in that eighth inning, giving up two leadoff hits. But the fact that he can always strike out someone with that splitter is a huge weapon out of the bullpen for Trevor Stefan. So even when he gets himself into trouble, he works his way out of it. That's a true bullpen guy right there with the three strikeouts. I thought that was just huge. I wanted to shout that out. That was the last note I really had on the day. Um, Oscar Gonzalez got the start again in right field off of a lefty this time. 
we're going to have to figure out how Will Benson and how Nolan Jones get back into the lineup. Uh, we'll see. We're going up against Verlander today uh, to kick off this Astros series. So it's a right-handed pitcher on the mound. I would expect one of the lefties. Does Benson make his Major League debut? Uh, I, I got to think that some of these things involve Miles Straw getting the day off in center field. I got to imagine that's how they get uh, both lefty hitters in the lineup. Or does Benson play first base? Does Benson play first base? Does Naylor play first base? And then Benson can DH or something like that. Uh, you know, how do they get him in the lineup? He went in defensively for Oscar Gonzalez late in the game. Uh, didn't get an at-bat in this one. Uh, but yeah, they've got to figure out. And then Tyler Freeman on the other side. Okay, he DH'd uh, Jose Ramirez today, and he got Tyler Freeman in the lineup. How does he keep getting Tyler Freeman in the lineup? Does he just move around, take a day off, take a day at shortstop, take a day at second base? Uh, Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez don't get many days off. Uh, you know, they talk about Jose Ramirez needing days off his feet. I, Jose Ramirez, it's not like he's an old, he's not like a 37-year-old third baseman with bad knees. I don't know why Jose Ramirez needs so many days off his feet. Uh, but they love DHing him and getting a guy in there at third base. We were talking about this. We were having the conversation on Twitter with some people. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you're like, oh, well, you use the DH. But no, you need the DH spot to figure out what the heck you're going to do with these three right fielders. And it's a good problem to have. I mean, we're literally overflowing with talent in the minor leagues, literally to the point where they're just all funneling up to the major league level. And now, yeah, we're kind of overflowing with talent on the major league roster. We're having a hard time getting all these guys in the starting lineup. We're, we're, we're riding guys, we're putting guys on the bench that you want to see in there. You want to see getting at bats. So unfortunately, this is not like old man softball where all 12 guys on the roster get to hit. Uh, you got to figure out at-bats. So, I mean, Francona said this earlier in the season to the right field first base DH guys, right? He said it to Naylor and Fermil Reyes and uh, whoever was playing right field when Gonzalez came up. Uh, he said, look, I, I'm going to have to just give you guys days off. That's the only way I can get everybody at-bats is you're just going to have to take turns and people are going to have to take days off. So we'll see if he does that with Tyler Freeman and the middle infielders as well, how he rotates those guys through. And does that affect Miles Straw at all, or do they just love his defense so much that it doesn't matter how he hits in the ninth spot, uh, he's got to be out there to captain the defense. I would love to see Quan start in center field today with Oscar Gonzalez in left and Nolan Jones in right. I, that would be ideal. Get... Uh, or I'm sorry, not Oscar Gonzalez, with Will Benson in left and Nolan Jones in right. I, I get both lefties in the lineup. Let's see what that looks like. Let's get Naylor in there. Um, yeah, let's see what that lineup looks like. Or are you ready to try Benson or Nolan Jones at first base at the major league level? I I actually wish someone would have asked Antonetti about that, about how much experience some of these young guys have at first base and can do they think they can handle it at the major league level. I don't think that question was asked of him. And I think that's key to getting these guys in the lineup. If Benson can play first base at the major league level, then yeah, you can make this thing work a little bit better. Owen Miller, it cuts into Owen Miller's at-bats then. So it's a fun problem to have for Terry Francona, and his actions will obviously show us uh, his intentions for getting everybody in the lineup. All right, speaking of Tyler Freeman, who is Tyler Freeman? Uh, we do this anytime someone's called up. 
He is the number six prospect according to MLB.com. I know if you go other places, he lands other in other spots, but MLB.com actually does a really nice job of summarizing uh, these guys, giving you some good information. So the scouting grades, they've got him a hit 65. That's definitely a strength. The power only a 35, a run 50, an arm 50, and a fielding 50. Overall, a 55 grade. So you would say with, you know, with a, you know, maybe the arm not grading up the best, that third base might not really be his spot, although he can play it. Uh, I don't remember. Honestly, I don't remember if he got a ground ball hit to him uh, on the day. Uh, so yeah, so he projects probably more as a second baseman with that arm strength and with that fielding. Uh, but he was a second round choice in the supplemental round. So at the end of the second round, out of high school in Southern California, um, and he's slowly been working his way up. He's only 23 years old, and he slowly worked his way up the minors. Uh, he's always been considered a top prospect. Uh, as of 2019, he was only playing an A ball. He gets his first taste of Double A in 2021, and then gets his first taste of Triple A in 2022. And frankly. He was doing really good at double A before an injury, uh, had an 842 OPS, and was doing pretty good in Columbus this season. The batting average was 279, but the on-base percentage was 371 uh, for a 735 OPS. The one thing he hasn't done in his career is draw walks. In all of 2021, he only drew eight walks. Well, he was up to 25 walks at triple A. So maybe something, you know, the scouting report on him uh, in the bio, they, you know, they talk about how he's a heavy contact guy, and that just doesn't equate to walks. He has a owns a career four percent walk rate. Um, you know, I don't know how when this the, the little write up about him. I don't know how often this gets updated, but yeah, so he's a heavy, heavy contact guy, not gonna walk, always trying to get on base with the hit tool. Uh, but he something changed in AAA. Maybe they told him, look, if you're gonna get to the majors, you got to draw a few walks. So he'd drawn 25 walks so far at AAA on the season. So, yeah, he projects very much like a Stephen Kwan, except much more heavy contact guy and much less ability to draw the walk. I mean, Kwan is just amazing at his ability to draw the walk. You're not going to get that out of Tyler Freeman, but the similar kind of bat. He's going to slap it all over the place. He's going to leg out some infield hits. He's going to slap it down the lines, uh, find gaps. Uh, real, real contact, bat-to-ball kind of hitter. So I'm excited because obviously this follows a trend of guys like this, and it follows a trend of these guys that we've been sitting on for a while, right? Remember, Nolan Jones at one point was a top prospect. Tyler Freeman, if we jump back to 2021, was the number one prospect in the farm system in 2021. Uh, Tyler Freeman right there at the top, followed by George Valera and Nolan Jones. So this guy has been hovering around the top of the prospect list for a long time. And it's it's really nice to see him up here. I honestly, with as good as Andres Jimenez has been and as good as Ahmed Rosario has been, I didn't expect to see Tyler Freeman up here. So it's really nice that the guy is making his debut. And let's go get it. Let's go get it with the young guys. Remember, I said it on Twitter. This is not a rebuild. This is a youth movement. And there's a big difference there. A big difference there uh right they're not selling off veterans or anything like that this is a youth movement they've had these guys in the system and they are ready to deploy them now i mean can you believe the lineup we have now of kwan and 
Gonzalez and Benson and Jones and Jimenez and Freeman. And it's pretty crazy that all these young guys are up here, not to mention the pitchers. So that's all my thoughts on this one. I'm excited that the rookie is here. I'm excited that all the rookies are here, frankly, because we've just been hearing their names for so long. Uh, you know, those off-season episodes where we're talking about when these guys can debut and how they fit in and the mix of middle infielders and, you know, needing help in the outfield. These guys are finally here, and it is exciting. It did it did take a little bit of the sting away of them not making an aggressive move at the trade deadline. It took away a little bit of the sting. Yeah, they need help at catching still. Yeah, okay, the bullpen, you can always use another bullpen arm, but it took a little of the sting away. All right, again, the final from Progressive Field. Yesterday afternoon, it's your Guardian 7, the Diamondbacks 4. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Wait, 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 stop the music. Did I do MVP on the day? I don't think I did MVP on the day. MVP on the day, oh, I was bouncing back and forth in my head. Gonzalez was absolutely fantastic. Oscar Gonzalez with a monster day, but I mean, Shane Bieber was the MVP on the day. A really good start uh, to kick off his first start in August. The eight strikeouts, really nasty with the breaking stuff. Shane Bieber's taking home MVP on the day. All right, fire the music back up. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, on the rookies. We'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>